Welcome to the Travelcast, episode 409. The Travelcast is a weekly audio fiction podcast that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Weird story for you folks this week, another Travelcast original. But hey, that's what we're here for, right? First, though, a Drabble. Drabbles are hundred-word stories, not one word more or less, and they set the stage each week here on the Drabblecast. Our Drabble story this week is called The Blossom, and it comes to us from Eric Marsh. Here it goes. A trillion tiny light sails are carried off into the void. Within each is the DNA of a billion different species. It's a bit like a blossom's pollen being carried to the winds. When we were younger, we arrogantly believed that the stars were our destiny. But the universe doesn't favor a single life form. Life's a thing that spreads and adapts. We weren't meant for the stars. It took us millennia before we learned that we are simply a part of the Earth. With its seeds spread, the Earth withers and dies, as blossoms do, once their job is done. Nice one, Eric. What a Drabbledonian you are indeed, sir. We picked them from our discussion forums at forums.drabblecast.org in the Drabble section. Give it a go and try posting one there yourself. You might hear it on the show one day. And on to our story this week, similarly themed in a lot of ways, we bring you The Dandelion Man by Jack Nichols. Jack's a writer based in Australia, but in recent years, a figure matching his general description has been reliably cited amidst the snows of Iceland and the streets of London. His work's been published in numerous venues, including Beneath Cease the Skies, Orealis, and Tor.com. Find his website at jacknichols.net. Like I said, this story's a Travelcast original. So without further ado, we bring you The Dandelion Man by Jack Nichols. The Dandelion Man by Jack Nichols. Paulus stood at the shore of the Pompous, where the grass grew twice as tall as a man. They were naked, and the Pampero raised goosebumps on their skin. The stalks bent against the wind's force, green and gold ripples drawing the eye to the distant horizon. It was a good wind. People had been telling Teo all morning. Lucky. The sailor had been tied up by the launch ramp, which rose in a high arch, then sloped down to meet the top of the grass. Although the vessel's sail was furled, the air bladders were fully inflated and the sailor was bobbing in the gusts, mast creaking back and forth. 
Mayor Aguila stood to the front of the clustered townsfolk, her face like creased leather, and told Teo and Paulus how it would be. She was good at that sort of thing. You could almost forget she had said the same words so many times before. Remember, boys, keep sailing until the dandelion clock marks the time and the place, and although you'll be watched from above, the decision is yours alone. It will be a sacred bond between you both. Teo shivered and glanced at Paulus. It wasn't fair. Only a year ago, Teo had been taller, but Paulus had grown so much recently, and filled out too. His arms were strong and wiry, his crotch matted with thick hair. He looked every part of a soil man. Mayor Aguila stooped to grab a handful of dirt and let it trickle from her fingers. The wind caught the grains and tumbled them out into the pompous. Wind and soil, she continued. Without both, we could not survive. You have come of age, and it is time for you to take on your roles. Whichever you choose, we will remember and honor you for it. What did she know? Teo thought. She'd never had to do it. That was another thing not fair. But when he'd asked his ma, she'd said, It's not our place to go on up. Women suffer enough without that. The mayor nodded at Hector, the courtier, who had two lines of hemp coiled around his arm. He stepped forward and began tying one to Paulus's waist. Paulus's paw had come forward to observe and clapped his boy on the shoulder. He met Teo's eye and said something to his son, who nodded. The two of them studied Teo appraisingly. Teo looked away and stared resolutely into the undergrass. It grew so thickly that you couldn't see more than a few feet, and the play of light and shadow made it seem like there were creatures moving in there. Probably there were. How are you feeling, Teo? It was Pa who'd come up, standing a few steps behind. Pa had never talked about his own ceremony, had always avoided the subject, so that now it was Teo's day, and Teo didn't know how he was supposed to choose. He felt a surge of anger and wheeled around. What am I meant to do? What did you do? Pa hesitated, then shook his head. Take a deep breath in your guts and hold it while Pedro ties the rope, he said. That was it? Pa whispered something else, but the wind was crackling in Teo's ear. What? he asked, but Pa was turning away now, wiping at his eyes. Wait! Teo croaked, but Ma pushed forward and grabbed his cheeks between her hands. Do whatever you need to do, Ma said. Don't worry about what we might want or what other people might think. Do whatever you need to do. Pompero's picking up, drawled the courtier. He held the second rope, slack between his hands like a noose. You'll need to be getting on. Ma kissed him on the forehead and retreated back to the crowd. Teo reached for her hand, but it was gone. Hector stepped forward and fussed with the rope around his waist. Not even knowing why, Teo took in a deep breath, getting a nose full of Hector's sweat, and held it in while the courtier deftly tied the rope above his hips. When it was done, Hector gave him a look full of pity and stepped back. Teo released the breath and fingered the tether, managing to surreptitiously slide two fingers between rope and spine. 
It's time, said the mayor. She stopped and plucked a single gray-headed dandelion clock from the ground at her feet. The tooth of the lion, she shouted above the wind. The guide between soil and sky. It will take you where you need to go. She marched forward and slid the flower into its place at the prow of the tethered sailor, which was rocking on its bladders as if eager to escape. Hector carried the trailing ends of the boy's ropes and lashed them to the mast. The wind was at full strength now, drowning out the final shouts of Mayor Aguila, but Teo had heard the words enough times now to know. He stepped forward to rest his hands on one corner of the sailor, Paulus the other, and they maneuvered it to face the launch ramp. As one, he and Paulus pulled the sail cord. With a crack, the sail inflated, and the sailor began to drag forward at the dirt. Ma shouted something, but the wind snatched it away. Pa was crying. Teo had never seen Pa cry before, and now he was shaking, and the other soil men were gathering around, squeezing his shoulders and arms with their big, gnarled hands. Teo didn't want Pa to cry. He wanted him to smile and make him brave. But Pa kept his face hidden. The whole village bellowed their good wishes, throwing grass seeds that blew into Teo's hair and littered his shoulders like dandruff. He'd thrown the seeds himself a hundred times, back when it had all seemed so exciting. Come on, Paulus shouted at him, and together they pushed the sailor up the ramp and leapt aboard it as it began to coast down towards the grass, which lay bent and interlaced from a hundred sailors. Tethering the boom line, Teo slid his legs into the pedals as the Pempero took control of their destiny. Up, up, shouted Mayor Aguila. Get it up! Teo pedaled madly, whirring the fan beneath them. The bow inched up, the fragile dandelion clock fluttering. They slid down onto the surface of the grass, and for a stomach-lurching moment it seemed like they were going to plunge straight through, but the stalks held, and then they were onto the pompous and sailing, and it was just Paulus and him. That's what I was most scared of confessed Paulus as they skimmed out onto the plain. That we wouldn't get the lift. Remember Gustav and Morrow, how they fell into the undergrass at the very start? That was the worst thing I ever saw. The worst. Teo remembered. He'd laughed at the time. Morrow had liked to laugh as well, but not then, and never since he came back. Soil men didn't laugh much. The Pampero was strong today. With every moment they surged further from the hill shore, where the crowd had already become an indistinct smudge at the edge of a cluster of white houses. The wind bore them onwards across the plain, which whispered with the sound of a million grasses rasping together. Disturbed by the passage of the sailor, gold-beaked drifters flitted up from their grass nests and flew warning circles around their territory. The wind snatched Teo's warmth and tossed it out into the pompous. At the bow, the first seeds of the clock fluttered free. Paulus was more experienced on the grass and guided them out onto the shivering flatness. It didn't matter where they went, only that they were out of sight of the town before the clock finished. 
Nothing marred the waving grass ahead of them, except where a jagged mast poking from the grass indicated the wreck of a punctured sailor. Paulus tacked them around it while Teo pedaled. More florets puffed free of the dandelion clock and drifted up into the sky. Teo had known his whole life was coming to this, known from counting birthdays that it would be Paulus. That unspoken knowledge had kept them distant all this time. They'd barely spoken, avoided each other's eyes in the field. Now Teo regretted it. If they'd made friends, Paulus might have been willing to help him. Paulus, listen, said Teo. What if we just kept sailing to the mountains? Find somewhere else to live. We can hunt together and both be soil men. You're a coward, said Paulus quickly. You're afraid of being the dandelion man. I'm not afraid. So you want to be the dandelion man? No, I... Teo opened and closed his mouth and then dropped his face to his hands. There was no point arguing with Paulus. Of course he was going to be the dandelion man. His pa knew it, and that's why he'd been crying. Paulus knew. Everyone knew. To his surprise, Paulus said, I'm sorry, Teo. Teo looked up. I won't tell anyone, said Paulus awkwardly, that you cried. I'll say you chose it and, and that, that you were really brave. I'm not crying, and maybe I'll tell them that you were brave, said Teo. Nah, said Paulus. Nah. They sailed on in silence for a while. The shadow of the sail stretched out before them. More tufts of the dandelion clock broke free. Sometimes the sailors come back covered in blood, said Paulus, to break the quiet. Sometimes they come back empty and blood all over. That's not true. It is. Rosa told Martin and Martin told me. She saw one sail back all by itself. A particularly savage gust knocked all but one of the seeds from the dandelion clock. Both their eyes were locked on the last floret. It trembled in the wind, yearning to be free. Teo couldn't bear it. He reached forward and gently flicked the stem with his finger. The seed broke free and twirled up into the azure sky. Teo followed it up until he lost it against the glare, but he could see the other specks up there past the birds, the dandelion men drifting with the wind, singing for the rain. Paulus kept adjusting the sail, but his movements were mechanical now. He stared blankly at the horizon, his tongue flicking out to wet his lips every few moments. He's rehearsing it, Teo realized. He's working out how he's going to do it. He had to do the same. He needed a plan, but his mind was frozen. He'd been trying not to think about this moment his whole life. It had been tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and now it was now, and he didn't know what to do. He looked down between his knees, but he didn't want to see them shaking, so he looked up instead at the dandelion men. Were they watching? Did they care? They probably expected him to volunteer. If he resisted and Paulus forced him, then the dandelion men would see. They would know he didn't want to be there, and they would hate him when he arrived. It's the bigger honor to become a dandelion man, said Paulus, sounding unconvinced himself. 
Mayor puts you in the books and all. Says your name at the harvest. He glanced sidelong at Teo. Teo took a deep breath and looked back challengingly. I'm a soil man, he said. Like my pa, I'm not going anywhere. Paulus looked aggrieved. I thought you'd want it. I thought you'd pick it. He sighed. Ah, well, he said philosophically and lumbered to his feet. Paulus took a step towards Teo and then another. The world was Paulus. He blotted out the sun. Ah! Teo screamed and cannoned into Paulus's naked belly, knocking him down. The sailor lurched back and forth, and the two of them fell sprawling against the back corner, ropes tangling. Teo hammered his fist against Paulus's chest, his leg, and then felt a hot explosion against the side of his head. Paulus hit him in the ear three more times, but instead of trying to get away, Teo sank his teeth into the knobbly lumps of Paulus's collarbone and bit as hard as he could. Paulus shrieked and shoved him off, clapping a hand to his bleeding neck. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry, Teo said automatically, his heart vibrating like guitar strings. You freak! Paulus retreated to the edge of the sailor and stood by the rim, looking over the side. His weight tilted the vessel to its side, so the grass brushed against his toes. Teo drew his knees up beneath his chin and watched him, wiping the blood from his lip. It tasted horrible, like dirt. Eventually, Paulus turned around, expression contemptuous. I'll do it, Teo, if you're that scared. You will? Yeah, and when you get home, everyone will know what a coward you were. And so will all of them above. Paulus turned inwards and grabbed the rim of the sailor. He crouched down onto his knees, then lowered one leg backwards over the side, so it disappeared amongst the stalks. Fear and wonder crossed his face. It tickles, he said. He crouched awkwardly like that for a moment, then put his other leg down so they both dangled in the grass, but he kept his belly and hands locked to the sailor. Kick him off, Teo willed himself, but he couldn't make himself unlock his arms from his knees. Paulus stared at Teo from the rim, mouth twitching, then abruptly hauled himself back up. Yeah, nah, it's like swimming the dam. I want to jump in straight, but I can't. You have to push me. Push you? Yeah, I can't do it myself. Teo got slowly to his feet, rubbing his sweaty palms together. His ear felt like it was on fire. Please, said Paulus. Teo had never heard that word from him before. Okay. Teo inched closer, shaking hands raised to give Paulus a shove. And just as he lunged forward... Paulus sprang. He grabbed Teo by the armpits and yanked him against the rim, kicking him in the knee so he fell down. Teo screamed and pitched forward into the feathery seed heads, his knee cracking against the sailor rim. The spears buckled and snapped as he fell into another world. The grass cushioned his fall, but immediately sprang back above him to close off the sky. The wind became something distant. It was warm and humid down here. The light washed out by the lattice of stems overhead. 
Stunned, Teo stared at an iridescent peach beetle climbing a blade of grass that sank gently beneath its weight. Beneath it, the tracks between the stems stretched out to dapple infinity. The air was heavy. He breathed it in but felt like he couldn't breathe it out. He wanted to sleep, but there was motion in the stillness. His rope was playing out, snaking away above him into the blue. Teo stared at it blankly for a second, then it snapped taut around his waist, and he was being dragged backwards through thistles and undergrowth, stones tearing at his back. He shrieked, fingers scrabbling furrows and dry earth. Above him he heard the whir of the fan pick up. Do anything you can. He reached behind his head to grab the rope and kicked his feet madly, twisting himself onto his stomach. Grass stems slapped at his face as he tried to drag himself upright, but the jerky motion of the sailor knocked him back down again, dragged his cock agonizingly through serrated tussocks. Another smack against the dirt drove the breath out of him, and for a moment he went limp, letting the grass break in waves across his head. The rope twisted and burned around his waist, then slipped an inch and rode up beneath his ribs. It was still loose. He lashed and twisted and wriggled until the rope was a burning brand around his chest. Then he stretched his arms out before him and closed his eyes until with a jerk the rope slipped over his shoulders and he was gone. For a moment he lay gasping, sucking in hot, stale air. If he just lay here for a moment... A swell jabber buzzed from the shadows under Teo's shoulder. Then he felt the sharp pain as its straw drilled into the hollow between his neck and shoulder. He blindly punched at it and knocked it away, but already he could feel the area going numb. He craned his head, glimpsed the quivering, translucent bubble of skin rising around the bite, pressing his neck away at an uncomfortable angle. Teo scrambled to his feet. He wasn't going to stay here. He was going to be a soil man. He grabbed a handful of dirt and cup to his face, breathing in its heat, and then he plunged forward after the sailor, fist clenched around the precious substance. The trailing end of the rope had vanished into the thickets, but he could hear the sound of the fan in the distance. It was slowing. Perhaps Paulus had felt the loss of drag and was looking back for Teo's rising. Teo slipped between stalks, arms outstretched to part the grass ahead of him. A crook was shadowing him, its tapered body flickering between stems a few feet away. He ignored it and put on another burst of speed until he fell into the shadow of the sailor's passage. The rope flapped away from him, tangling amongst the stalks. Teo crammed the dirt into his mouth, sucked air through his nose, and leapt, grabbing the rope halfway between soil and surface. The crook pounced as the rope lifted him up and away, and its jaws snapped close just shy of his feet. One, two, three arm lengths was all it took. Rope twisted between his ankles, he hauled himself towards sun and sky and breath until his head broke the surface and the life-giving wind filled his nose with fresh air. Teo clung to the rear of the sailor, grazed hands resting on the rim. He felt the sailor starting to pivot into the wind, swung his leg onto the bladder and peeked his head up. Paulus was huddled at the bow, staring at the horizon, hauling in the lines to tack towards home.
Teo dragged himself over the side and stood unsteadily at the stern. He spat wet clumps back out onto his palm. They tasted of blood, and the remnants coated the inside of his mouth. Paulus, he called. Paulus was whispering to himself now and didn't hear. Paulus! Paulus twisted around, his face white as cotton. Paulus, I'm the dandelion man now. I have the soil for you. Teo showed Paulus the handful of mud. Paulus blinked uncertainly, taking in Teo's swaying body, the cuts and bruises and rope burns. Teo stared back and knew that Paulus didn't know what was supposed to happen either, that he never had, that nobody knew anything at all. It's how it works, Teo said. You have to take it before I go up. Paulus very slowly stood up, eyes flickering from Teo's face to the soil that he offered up in his outstretched hand. I'm sorry for knocking you around, Teo, Paulus said as he took a step forward. Wind and soil, replied Teo, and threw the dirt as hard as he could at Paulus's face. The wind took the dirt and scattered it into a spray that battered Paulus's eyes, filling his gaping, fleshy mouth. But he wasn't a soil man. He spluttered and clasped his hands to his eyes, trying to blink the grit from them. In that moment, Teo unclipped the boom line and the pampero did the rest, catching the sail and yanking it savagely sideways. Paulus didn't see the boom coming. It smacked into the side of his head. He reeled across the tilting deck, arms flapping for balance, and then he was gone. That was what made a soil man, doing everything you could. Paulus's tether plunged into the undergrass after him, rasping over the splintered side. Teo jumped aside before it snapped taut against his legs and swept him off too. The dandelion men watched and kept their silence. Teo released the sail to its fullest and let the wind carry him where it would. The sailor roamed jerkily across the pampas, stern dragging. Beneath and behind, Paulus was bellowing and shrieking. But the cries came from a long way away, and Teo thought he would be able to bottle them up and bury them somewhere deep in his mind, where they wouldn't bother him anymore. He lay spread-eagled on the boards, face up, and let the sailor chase the clouds across the sky. Gradually the cries died away, gradually the drag lessened. When the sun had passed its peak, Teo drew up the rope. He had to tug to get Paulus up through the tangled surface, but then he came easily, squirming things dropping away from his body as he rose. He floated peacefully, body swelled like a woman pregnant all over, half-closed eyes lost in his ballooned face, drool dripped from his swollen lips and splashed wet circles in the dust, coating the sailor's floor. Like a kite, he caught the wind and rose, his shadow dancing across the plain. Perhaps he tried to speak one last time, or perhaps it was the wind, Teo didn't listen. He plucked at the knots around the mast for long minutes, Paulus turning slow somersaults above, until at last they came loose and Teo held him tethered to the soil. 
He waited for a strong gust, then released Paulus into the sky. Paulus drifted up to join the dandelion men, face fixed on the sailor. Teo tried to imagine how he must look from above, his upturned face diminished to a speck, the little sailor scudding across the great plain. He watched until Paulus dwindled to an indistinct blur, until he was just another dot among the crowd. The wind had changed, and Teo turned the sailor for home. It would be okay now. He had a dandelion man to watch over him. that was our story. Do what you gotta do, little blossom. Funny thing about the biological imperative, when it comes to individuals and groups of a species, things don't always line up. Let's close things out with our 100 character story winner this week by Swomi Nona. Here goes. The stripper gazed longingly into my eyes as the delicate layers fell to the floor, revealing the muscle beneath my skin. Creepy. 100 characters, not counting spaces. We call them twabbles. Follow the Travelcast on all social media to get those early each week and other goodies. We're at Travelcast. Alright folks, that's our show. Remember the Drabblecast is brought to you with the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it. Don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Write us a review on iTunes or blog about us. Tell a friend. Spread the weird. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode cover artist this week, Gareth McGorman. Gareth's a scale modeler living in Toronto who commands a small army of 1x35 scale soldiers. He first became interested in the hobby at around age 12 when he started building model airplanes, but gradually moved towards building small scale soldiers and vehicles. One day, while bored at home, he tried taking some photos of his brother's cat being ambushed, and from there he started taking photos of soldiers interacting with various objects and appliances around the house. Calling the series Army Men Around the House, he's gained a large following on social media and been featured in a variety of print and online publications, of course. Because, you know, Drabblecast people. And I googled Army Men Around the House, and the first thing that came up was him crashing a wedding with a bunch of, you know, fake little army men. Because, I mean, I don't even, I don't even ask questions anymore. Our program this week was brought to you by Sandra O'Dell, Samantha Henderson, Jason Smith, Tom Baker, Melissa Harvey, the faint scent of ham and vomit coming from your flip-flops, Adam Pratt, Bo Kyer, Zimmerman Bledsoe, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to do whatever it takes. This was a triumph I'm making a note Success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction. 
literature science We do what we must because we can For the good of all of us Except the ones who are dead But there's no sense crying over every mistake You just keep on trying till you run out of 